Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. We are here to talk about this past week in wrestling, which means we're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown Live. Briefly, going to talk about 205 Live. Maybe a little impact. Not a lot. Maybe a little bit of impact. And of course, this week's NXT, which was... I, I, I don't know how to talk about that episode of NXT. But I'll find a way by the end of the episode. I'm Owen. I'm your host. And we are streaming this live over at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. And on Mixer. At mixer.com slash theozone. So you can talk to us in the chat rooms. Or tweet at the heel turn on Twitter. And we will get to all of your questions and comments as we deem fit. Once again, I am by myself. Uh, once again, I, if you're wondering what happened to my co-host John, go back a couple weeks and listen to the, uh, the Americana Spectacular episode of Heel Turn that went up. All your answers are there. But that's in the past. We, I need to move on. It's still just me. But, you know, today is. Today is July 25th, as of uh, this the live broadcast. The podcast version goes up on the Thursday. Don't worry about it. There we go. I think I can tell, but like I said, today is July 25th, which means it's my birthday. And also, it's Christmas in July. So Merry Christmas in July to everyone out there who's tuning in. A lot of people give me shit. For Christmas in July, because they're like, oh, it's not a real holiday, you know, you just like it because it's your birthday, but a bunch of that bullshit. I, I dealt with some of it today, I had to tell people, to leave me alone, you're not in the Christmas spirit. And that's what the holiday is all about. It's all about the Christmas spirit, it's about being kind to each other, you know, spreading peace and love. It's, it's like Christmas, except it's not snowing all the time. It's actually like beach weather, so I mean, what's wrong with that? That sounds like the perfect holiday. I know the Fourth of July has got that, but fireworks. There's there can be fireworks on Christmas in July. I, I don't make up the rules. So yeah, I just want to give a shout out and a happy Christmas in July to everyone who is tuning in tonight or listening to the podcast. Unfortunately, you know, it, it was my birthday and a holiday, but it's still a Wednesday, which is in the middle of the week, and you can't really do anything exciting with that. So, we're just gonna have to keep on going with Heel Turn, because holidays or not, we still keep moving on with the show. Um, what else have I been up to this week? See, usually I have a co-host. I know it's been a few weeks that I've been going solo, but it's still hard to come up with stuff to talk about with myself during this beginning bit. But what have I? What's been going on with me? Uh, not not a whole lot. Just you know, been working on the website, working on the G one coverage that we're doing for our Patreon members. Which, if you're not a patron, 
now's the best time in the history of this site to subscribe. Because for all patrons, throughout this month and next month, we are doing podcasts. It's me and our good friend, our New Japan coverage analyst, expert, whatever title he wants, Trace Evans, talking about every single night of the G1 Climax 28. We've uh, we've been recording them. The first episode was two hours. The second one was three hours. And so far, we haven't finished recording all of it. But we're already, after covering two nights for the out of, out of the four this week, we were at two and a half hours. So, buckle up. It's going to be a wild one. And what's great is that normally our podcasts are tied only to the 9.99 tier of the, of the Patreon, but for the G1, as a, as a little special treat, all patrons get access. So this is tons and tons of content at pay what you want. But you know, if you want to hear our coverage of the finals, though, that will be still locked under the 9.99 tier. So. I know you're gonna enjoy like tons, hours and hours. But if you want to hear the dramatic conclusion, you gotta you gotta pay up the money, pay up on WWE Network subscriptions worth of money, because I it's just so much so much wrestling. After heel turn wraps up here, I should have to go and finish recording that G1 stuff. It's a lot. So in that vein. We should probably move on to the wrestling news. The first bit of news, I don't know if you've heard this news. Did you know that WWE is doing an all-women's pay-per-view in October? I know they've barely mentioned it at all. But it's called WWE Evolution. It is taking place October 28th at Nassau Coliseum in uh, in New York. I I don't know. It might be a good idea. They're having women of the past, the present, and the future all represented, which they've confirmed so far. Trish Stratus and Lita. You know, we're gonna have all the women's titles on the line, including the NXT women's title. And it will include the May Young Classic Finals. They've touted over 50 women are going to be represented in this show. Uh, and it looks like it's going to have a start time of 7 o'clock, which means it's going to be another four-hour WWE pay-per-view. Do you think they can actually fill the time with, with the women and have it be good? Because if you've been watching the main roster product, their treatment of the women... While better than before, eh, still leaves some to be desired. Considering who some of the champions are. Not Shayna. Shayna's great. But the SmackDown Women's Champion, eh. The Raw Women's Champion is controversial. I, I like Alexa Bliss, but some people tend to not like her for some odd reason. But yeah. That's going to take place, in, and they're they're hyping it up heavy now, and it's July. So I really hope we don't have segments like we had on Monday and Tuesday, going all the way up until the pay per view, because it's 
pretty obnoxious, and I will get to that when we talk about the individual shows this week. What else do we have here? We have Eliza's EP came out. Elias had his EP come out this week. Uh, it was on iTunes and Google Play and all those. And I'm actually going to pull it up on my phone because I have listened to it. I can't really go play any clips from it because music rights... I, I, it's dumb. Here we go. Let's see. Walk with Elias EP. It's four tracks. It's about 15 minutes. And, uh... Well, I do have a question from the chat. Uh, our, our good friend Core is asking, do I need a new co-host? I mean... I... I wish my old co-host was here, but things happened to him that we don't talk about. Unless you go listen to the Americana Spectacular podcast, where you can find out exactly why we're not talking about what happened. It's... It's very... It's, it's worth a listen. It's a very intriguing podcast, and nothing like you'd expect. But, this Elias EP has four tracks. It is the ballad of every town I've ever... Hold on. The track track name's cut off here. Let me pull it up. Uh, the come on, scroll the ballad of every town I've ever been to. Dot dot dot. Then Elias's words. Nothing I can't do and walk with me. And let me just say, for being a goofy EP that they just put out on a whim for like a kind of a bit. It's surprisingly good. Like, Elias is actually legitimately funny in these. I think the best track on the EP is Nothing I Can't Do. Because while the other three are are uh, guitar songs with Elias singing over them, that one's on a piano. It's kind of like a ballad. About Elias talking about how he wrote this song on a piano because he's just... That damn good. It's it's incredible. It's worth a listen. If you have uh, Spotify or Apple Music or some kind of music streaming service, I believe it's it, you should be able to access it and give it a listen. It is fantastic. And the last bit of news we have this week is that apparently Slammiversary happened this weekend. Impact Wrestling, remember that? They had a show in Toronto this weekend. And from people I've talked to, it actually wasn't bad. Which I don't believe, because I saw some of the things that happened on that show, and I am not a fan of that kind of violence. And you may go, oh, and you like the strong style wrestling. Yes, I don't like people impaling each other with railroad spikes. That's not cool. So I am pulling up the card right now. The Slammiversary. And it would be Slammiversary 20... No, not 20. 16. 
Roman numerals. I'm very good at them. But yeah, it took it took place in Toronto, and uh, the the big matches were. Uh, well, first I may I had to preface by saying that uh, Impact now has a working relationship with Lucha Underground, and with uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore promotions. So you're gonna see a lot of talent between those involved. There's a fatal four-way match with Johnny Impact beating Phoenix. Tai Taiji Ishimoto Ishimori and uh, Peter Williams. We had Tessa Blanchard uh, beating Ali. Eddie Edwards beating Tommy Dreamer in a House of Hardcore rules match, which I just I guess that's a hardcore match. Uh an an X an Impact X Division Championship match with uh, Brian Cage beating Matt Seidel. Sue Young uh, beating Madison Rain to re- retain at the Impact Knockouts Championship. LAX uh, defending at the Impact World Tag Team Titles against the OGs in a five-one, a five-one-five-zero street fight, which I guess is just a street fight. And I, they're just coming up with weird names for these matches. Mask versus hair match with Pentagon uh, Junior. Defending his mask against Sammy Callahan, who got shaved. And for the Impact World title, Austin Aries retaining against Moose. So, I heard this was actually, like, so it got some people actually interested in watching Impact. But, apparently, they saw WWE doing their, their Extreme Rules pay-per-view the weekend before. And saying, let's have an actual Extreme Rules pay-per-view. And by the second half of the card, it was just non-stop hardcore weapons and blood and uh, br- brutal stuff. People laying on their heads, too. As It just it looked too brutal for me, personally. But if you're into that kind of thing, I guess I guess that's what the impact is now. So you can you can tune in it's Thursdays on pop. I also have a problem supporting Impact because their parent company, Anthem, did did a few of my friends dirty in their jobs, so I have a bit of bias about it. So yeah, that's that was Slammiversary. Quick look that I didn't actually watch the whole thing. If you're in the chat rooms and you watch those pay-per-views, that, that pay-per-view for some reason, feel free to drop some comments in there and I'll I'll share them. But yeah, that that's it for the news. And now we move on to talk about Monday Night Raw. So, Monday Night Raw kicked off with the WWE Evolution pay-per-view being announced. And we had Vizic Man out there. Followed by the introduction of uh, Triple H and Stephanie. The whole locker room was out on the stage, including the women from both Raw and SmackDown. And oddly enough, Nikki Cross. Which I'm not sure why she was there. Like, she hasn't officially been called up. She's still like doing things in the NXT, so I'm not entirely sure why that's happening. But yeah, we had uh, 
we had Triple H and Stephanie coming out, giving talking about history because history. Because history. Because WWE loves history. They love making history. And they love talking about how great they are for making history. Did you know this was a historic announcement? About a historic event that's history making? That the WWE is making? In their own fucked up little world they build? They need to tell you about that. And they needed to stand on their podium... Their little, their big old platform in the ring, and talk down to these women, going, "Oh, you guys work so hard. We're so proud of you." Oh, grab them by a little cheek and tell them they're special, and pat them on the head, and say, "Well, because you've been so good, and the people demand it. They need it. We need to make this all women's pay per view." They, they, they went on to announce it, and boy, if this didn't sound condescending as shit. And the WWE also like patting their own back the whole way. This is it was just unbearable. Like this was rough. Like Triple H was even like putting out fake tears. It was you know having all the and saying all oh, the men behind you support you. We support our women. We're we need to support you because you're so strong and talented and you're so great. It was. It was gross. I I didn't like this at all. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't help that all the women, you know, face and heel were all together celebrating how great it is to be women, which, you know, that message in itself is great. Women empowerment is a very important thing, especially in this world today. But in the context of WWE and the shit that they pull, especially especially with the Saudi Arabia stuff, which they're doing again this fall. Don't know if you know that. They're doing another Saudi Arabia show. So it makes this whole thing feel empty. It's a real shame. It's it's a real it's it's, it's a real shame because this could be a real big thing for WWE if they actually like treated it as an important thing. And not, we're important, and we're so great for doing it, while also doing the Saudi Arabia stuff. It's 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 a it's a rough, rough thing to handle, and I don't think they did it well. And then we got to the rest of the show, which was every single segment, pretty much pulling a "Where's Poochie" about this pay per view, where everyone has to talk about it. Oh, did you hear the women? They're great. Oh, we're so proud of them. They're so great. They got this pay-per-view. Like, literally every segment. Like, for no reason, these people would have nothing to do about this pay-per-view. Just going, hey, this pay-per-view is great, isn't it? So wonderful. So proud. So happy for them. And the announcers non-stop talking about it. And then they're replaying the thing a few times throughout the... It was unbearable. It got to the point where I actually had to turn off Raw because I could not stand hearing any more about this thing. Like, I think the concept of the pay-per-view is great. The way they're promoting it makes me not want to tune in in the least. So, yeah, I, we're going to cut off talking about that for Raw and actually get to the 
the rest of the stuff that actually happened on the show. By that, I mean the important things, because there were other non-factors that happened, like Mojo Raleigh existing. It, it, it's not important. This, this show's three... This, this for all three hours. It's too, it's too long. Let's talk about what they're doing with Sasha Banks and Bailey. Sasha Banks and Bailey had that weird segment the night before, or the week before where Sasha admitted that she loves Bailey and it was weird and kind of alluding to them having a lesbian angle which in itself is fine but in the context of this is the WWE it's not fine Ugh. Ugh. I'm getting flashbacks of uh, the Attitude Era, where uh, we had HLA and all that stuff. But, yeah, they were looting that way. Then this week, they kind of pulled like a, they pulled the reins on this and said, nah, no, it's uh, they're friends. It's all about them being best friends. They love each other as friends. Friends, friends, friends. 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 Beat you over the head with the word friends. They're the best friends. And they, and to, to prove this point, they had a match against some jobbers. Like, this is an episode of NXT. And they won. And then they're still hugging each other and admin they love each other. And it's all wonderful. And, of course, this is going to lead to Bailey turning heel and them having a SummerSlam match that no one's going to care about. Because this feud has been going on for so long and is so dead. Now, at this point, I don't think there's really any way they can, you know, fix it. They'd have to, like, do a real hard reboot and pull these people apart for a while. Maybe even put them on separate brands, which was threatened and would have been great, but we're not getting that. So, I'm, it's another week of this bullshit. And it's not, it's not great. It's not great. What is great, though, is uh, Kevin Owens, who last week, at Extreme Rules, beat Braun Strowman by being thrown off the cage. And Braun comes out to cut a promo, and he talks about how, you know, he doesn't give a shit about the main event tonight. Of uh, Bobby Lashley against Roman Reigns for the shot at Brock Lesnar. He doesn't give a shit because he's got the briefcase. And he's going to just beat whoever has the title. Because they're going to get these hands. Oh, and by the way, before that, he also talked about the women's pay-per-view. Because everyone talks about the women's pay-per-view. Did you know there's a women... Oh, oh wait, huh, sorry. I said I was going to stop talking about that for, for, for the rest of Raw. Just assume every segment I talk about begins with someone talking about the Evolution pay-per-view. Because that actually did happen. So yeah, Braun had his thing about Tom had the, the briefcase, and Kevin Owens comes out, all bandaged up still, and he is pissed off because he tried to be Braun's friend after the, the, uh, the Money in the Bank match where he got thrown off the ladder. He tried to be his friend, and he only did it because his son 
said it would be a good idea, and maybe if he was friends with Braun, one day his Kevin Owens' son could be tag team champions with Braun like Nicholas was. But Braun ruined it, because he's a big asshole, and he took everything away from Owens, and now he's going to take everything away from Braun. Which led into a segment later in the night, where we've had Braun... Uh, Baron Corbin being the advocate for Stephanie as the authority figure on Raw. But if you remember that segment at the beginning, S- Stephanie's in the building this this week. And she addresses the Kevin Owen thing by saying, Listen, if you want to, like, what, what Braun did is fucked up and you did win that match. So you're going to have a match with, with uh, Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. If Braun gets disqualified under any circumstance, or you know he will lose the match, he does anything, and and the result will be Kevin Owens being awarded the Money in the Bank briefcase. So, the point is now Kevin Owens is going to steal the briefcase for himself and ruin everything for Monster in the Bank. So there you go. I think that's an interesting twist because, you know, when people win the Money in the Bank briefcase, they kind of just fade into nothingness and just kind of are in a uh, holding position until we have someone like get the opportunity to cash it in, which is months later after they win it, or, you know, immediately the night of if you're Alexa Bliss. And what? And now we have. Oh no! There's stakes. He, they might lose this briefcase. It's kind of like in New Japan, where the winner of the G1 Climax gets a briefcase, and they had to defend it up until Wrestle Kingdom. So, I think this is neat. I could see Kevin Owens actually pulling this off, because I think it'd be more interesting if a shit heel had the briefcase. Instead of this baby face who doesn't really need it because he's this giant monster. So we'll see if they actually or have the guts to pull that off. Um, as I mentioned with Baron Corbin being the advocate for Stephanie, he's also got this weird, uh, I want to say feud. Is, I don't know if that's the word I would use. It's weird little story time adventure with Finn Balor where he's always you know on his case and calls him boring and this week he did Finn's funhouse bit where he gave him a little like dollhouse to live in and I it, as a lot, it was dumb I don't know what they're doing with Finn Finn continues to be a former like total badass possible face of the company first ever universal champion and now he's in these shitty goofy segments that are just lame and he's with Barry Corbin who's just lame and it's just baffling what they're doing with Finn I wish I wish they would just let him be a cool heel like give him a group, give him a Balor club, even if it's not Gallows and Anderson. Give him a group where they just wear leather jackets and are badasses and beat people up and too sweet each other. 
It sounds like a familiar concept, doesn't it? It's as if that was the thing he did in New Japan as as Prince Devitt and made him the superstar that everyone loved or loved to hate. It's a wild concept, I know. Uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, we had Elias having his EP come out this week, and uh, he had some time to promote it on Raw. And by that, I mean JoJo kept prom- you know, saying, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, here he is on the stage with his guitar, he's going to promote his album, and someone interrupts every time. And this happens like three or four times throughout the night. And it was funny, but also we didn't really get to hear much from Elias, and it was kind of sad. But it was effective, because it kept making him show up throughout the night to put in your head that he has this EP that you should listen to. But I still wanted to hear him actually do a thing. I don't know. I, I want to walk with Elias. He, he, seems like a, he seems like a cool guy. Cool guitar man. And finally, uh, the last thing to talk about from Raw. Main event was Roman Reigns against Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley won their match at Extreme Rules by spearing the big dog. So, this could go a couple ways here. We could have it where Bobby Lashley again gets his gets the win to prove that he is the top guy now and he's going to have a an, a fight where it's an MMA guy against another MMA guy which could be a hard-hitting exciting match. The other option some bullshit happens where maybe they go both go through a barricade and are both knocked out for a 10 count or some way they end up with a draw or a double disqualification. Resulting in a triple threat match where we have the MM- two MMA guys and then Roman. Because Roman's got a main event everything. Or we have the third option, which is the worst possible option. We have the big dog look strong, beating the Bobby Lashley, and having yet another match against Brock Lesnar. You want to guess which one they went with? If you guessed the third option, because this is a bad show, you would be correct. Roman Reigns got his win back, and this, which results in him getting the title shot, which means we're getting Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns yet again for the thousandth time. Where the fact is that. Brock Lesnar has won every single time. <sighs> Boy. This is going to be the main event of SummerSlam. Even with the uh, WWE Championship match that they set up this week on SmackDown. This is going to be the main event. God. That Brooklyn crowd. I'm not going to be part of it this year because I, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I, I just can't with this company. I, I I can't travel up there for that long of a show where it's going to be Roman Reigns 
yet again made of adding. I hope that crowd gives them so much shit. Because they deserve it. This is bad. This is not good. Terrible. This Raw was not a good Raw. That's why I briefly covered it, because... I... I don't know. It's just... They need to get their shit together, because... We're gonna talk about SmackDown next, and... Let me tell you... Same company runs both shows. Physic Man oversees both shows. They are night and day. With when it comes to quality and good storylines and just overall being a watchable product. So we're going to start off with SmackDown by asking you a simple question. Have you heard of the Evolution pay-per-view they're doing in October? Have you? Have you heard about it? It's it's going to be in New York. It's going to have all women. They they had a video package on SmackDown about it. And they actually had pretty much like only a couple people talk about it, including AJ Styles in his segment where it actually like made sense and was a like decent way to tie it into him into himself. Or he mentioned when he heard about the first thing he thought about was his daughter, and and this being the sign of doors opening for opportunities for women in this business and in you know the world in general. And I thought that was super sweet. That was awesome. Like, real, like kind of tying it into into family and a personal experience while also showing that the next generation is going to benefit from the steps that they're taking today. There you go. That's a relevant, important way to make this make sense and be a decent thing that WWE is doing. Why can't we just do that? But no, we need to do the whole promoting thing. It's historic history. Everything's great. WWE is the greatest company in the world. They love the women. Please ignore our Saudi Arabia deal. It's it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But let's talk about the actual show of SmackDown, because it was really good. We started off with Randy Orton coming out, cutting a promo ex- to explain himself about why he attacked Jeff Hardy for the past two shows during Extreme Rules and then on again on SmackDown. And he did it because the people, they turned their back on him. And they came up with a bunch of cockamamie theories for why he attacked Jeff Hardy. And one of the reasons that he said that the people were citing was the SmackDown Top 10 list. Which is hilarious because that thing was so bad and there was only one of them ever. But he said it was the fans, they turned on him, screw them. He spent his career as the legend killer, but really it's the crowd that are the true legend killers, and he's sick of this shit, and he's gonna, now he's gonna kill, go kill all your heroes. And it's great. This heel version of Randy Orton is phenomenal. This was a great promo. Laid the groundwork, and now he's gonna continue to be this brutal madman who's gonna kill everything we love, and I look forward to it. 
Please, please continue, Randall. Please, please ruin everything in the best way. We actually got ended up with a uh, one of those selfie videos of Nakamura at one point during the night, where he was talking about Jeff Hardy uh, no, no longer being the U.S. champion, and the line that tied into the Orton thing that was so great was him saying, "Can you ear me?" While putting his hand to his ear. Which I don't know if was him mispronouncing the word. Or pointing out the fact that Randy Orton fucked up Jeff Hardy's ear. By pulling on that hole. Which was so good. Is Nakamura is a heel is great. Randy Orton is a heel is great. S- Smackdown has some really good heels. Speaking of good heels... We had a match between Andrade Cien Almas and Rusev, which spawned out of a WWE.com video from earlier in the day of uh, Zelina Vega and Lana getting into an argument, which set up the match between their uh, their men. And I don't know if you know this, Andrade Cien Almas is fucking killing it with these matches. He had one last week with AJ Styles, which was Phenomenal. Sorry. Sorry, I had to. And this match with uh, Rusev was equally great. One spot I really enjoyed from it was when Amos went into the ropes for his Tranquilo uh, pose. And Zelina was underneath him on the ring apron doing it in sync with him. And it was awesome. Uh, Rusev and Lana tried to counter by both doing the Rusev Day uh, taunt in the corner. But it was not nearly as cool. This was a good match, but... The big thing at the end was... Uh, Zelina and Lana getting into it... At uh, at ringside. Aiden English, who was not there... During the rest of the match... Because he was in hot water after Extreme Rules... Came out to try to separate Lana from Zelina. Zelina jumped on... Aiden English's back, which caused him to fall into Lana and knocking her down. Rusev is distracted by this, not a fan, which sets up for Almas to get him from behind and uh, hit him with his finisher and score the pinfall. It was, I think it was a solid win for Almas, despite some treachery from the outside, and it led to Rusev backstage listening to these two argue and say, maybe neither of you are good for Rusev Day. Which I I hope is not true, because I I like at least one of these two to be with him. Oddly enough, I think I would choose Lana. Because she's got nothing else going on. And people seem to like her. Then, uh, last week we had... Ty Dillinger getting a, a pep talk from R-Truth, who's alive, oddly enough, to uh, fight Samoa Joe after a thing that happened during a dark segment the week before that. This week, now it's R-Truth's turn to fight the Samoa Joe. And Ty Dillinger is trying to do his best to hype him up because he's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And yeah, we're going to get R-Truth having his first match on SmackDown since WrestleMania. And 
our truth comes out and we get to see his whole entrance with the singing and the rapping again, which is cool. Our truth actually was moving around and looking pretty sharp, which is surprising because he is he's getting up there in, in age, but he looked great here until Samoa Joe showed up and then he did Samoa Joe things, which is I'm gonna choke you out until you die, and then that is the last we'll see of our truth. Oh well, well, hopefully not. After you know, showing that he actually is a person again and could wrestle matches, I I hope we see more our truth, possibly teaming up with Ty Dillinger. I think that they could be fun. Uh, sadly enough, they're not in the tag tournament, but still, these two seem like they have good chemistry. So Samoa Joe caused murder, and then. Later on the night, we have Paige come out to have a contract signing, which will reveal who AJ Styles will defend the WWE Championship against at SummerSlam. And what I like about this is that she prefaces by saying that it's going to be for the most important championship in the WWE, which is, you know, kind of shoot, you know, firing a shot over at the Universal Title. Which, to be fair, is a garbage belt, and no one should be proud to carry, especially this jackass who has it right now. So, there, Silas comes out, he does his bit about uh, the women, signs his, his contract, and as Paige gets a drum roll ready for his opponent, James Ellsworth shows up, and Ellsworth is a. Uh, well, first page is baffled by this, and like, you're not the person I chose. And he's starts talking shit, thinking he's the toughest, making fun of Paige, saying that he's going to be the one to beat AJ Styles. And Paige comes down and says, well, you know, guess what, I'm, I'm the person who runs the shit here. So you're fired. Get, get the fuck out. And... Pushes, security carries him backstage. Pa- Paige follows along. And what we have is uh, Paige boot him out the door. And I think that's the end of James Ellsworth. For now. With with WWE. Which is not a bad thing. Because the current run with the Carmella is not nearly as strong as the one that we had before. You know, during the first run, where we had the Becky Lynch matches, which, to be fair, I was kind of um, was kind of looking forward to maybe revisiting that with this new feud with the uh, Becky, but we've already seen it, so it's it's acceptable that we move on from Ellsworth. And while Paige is go- away, and Styles is watching on the the big screen, Smojo shows up and and makes him pass the hell out. It's awesome. He gets he gets up, gets the contract, and signs it. We're getting the match we want to see. It's Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles at SummerSlam. The true main event. And Samoa Joe tosses a bunch of shit while he's doing it. And it's... Joe is just so cool. Who, 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 who doesn't like Samoa Joe? Well, I mean, besides R-Truth and uh, Ty Dillinger. But really. This guy is a legitimate badass. He's a... Dominant heel. 
he can actually get shit done without resorting to, like, you know, having to necessarily cheat to win. Sneak attacks are not cheating. And he's, he's great. This was awesome. I'm looking forward to this match. I hope we see more of a build where we have Samojo just annihilating everyone. While Styles is fighting other people and having good matches. So we have a, a uh, clash of styles. Again, I'm, I'm, I apologize for saying that. But we have a clash between brute, brute strength and just domination by Samojo against great technical wrestling and, and well-put-together matches by AJ Styles. And I think that could be great. I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's my my main event. They're not going to put it on last because of course of course they're not. Why 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 would they do that? It, it's it's SmackDown. And then we have speaking of championship matches at SummerSlam for the for the blue brand, we have Becky Lynch against Carmella. Which, it's not for the title. It won't be silly. It's instead for an opportunity to challenge for the title at SummerSlam. And while normally I don't like this kind of thing, because it's, oh, the champion losing, therefore earning a title shot. Here's the thing, I'm I'm watching the G1 Climax for our, our Patreon uh, podcast, which... May I, again, may I remind you, if you're not a patron of the website, go to patreon.com slash pwc. All patrons get access to our G1 coverage. But yeah, in that tournament, champions are having non-title matches, and when they lose, th- that sets up title matches down the line after the tournament. Which is a cool concept. So, I should kind of lay off on and that being a stipulation here with Becky Lynch, and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a nice preview of what are things to come. And those things are Carmella, still not good at wrestling. Becky Lynch, doing her best to carry her through. And I am concerned for this match, even though it's happening. Not, not for the result, because it's, I really have a strong feeling that Becky's going to win. And going to have a great reaction in Brooklyn. The problem is, the way she's going to win is going to be a terrible match against someone who is struggling to keep up. Hopefully they prove me wrong. I mean, I've I've tried to give Carmella the benefit of the doubt ever since she won the belt. And it's not been working out so great for me. But she's, a, she's good on the microphone. Does, does that count for something? No? Oh. Okay. I mentioned earlier a SmackDown Tag Team title tournament when I was talking about Ty Dillinger and uh, R-Truth. And that's because there's a there's a SmackDown Tag Title tournament now. That this weekend, Paige announced on Twitter in a video in her, like, out in her backyard or something. I, it was weird. I don't know why this happened. I guess WWE trying to use her social media to engage people and say, look at this hot lady tell you about the Russell show. You should tune into the Russell show. 
I don't I don't know what they're doing here. The point is, we have a, a four-team tournament with uh, the winner facing the Bludgeon Brothers at SummerSlam for the tag belts. And while we could have had an interesting tournament with some, like, fresh teams, instead we have a whole bunch of the same. Where we have this week, it is Sanity against the New Day again. And next week week we have the Usos versus the Bar which to be fair we haven't had in a while but we've had it before and with the New Day winning this match by the way it was the team of Big E and Xavier Woods facing the team of Alexander Wolfe and Killian Dane because both teams have three members so they can air you know how it works point is the New Day ended up picking up the win because of course they do Sandy can get nothing when it's things of importance. The New Day is going to fight either the Bar or they're going to fight the Usos. Views that they have already had this year. So get excited for that again. And then the winner fighting the Bludgeon Brothers who have still failed to put on entertaining matches. I feel like it's a weird thing where this, all the other SmackDown champions are like hot garbage in the ring. But the WWE champion, who's the main champion on the show, is just so goddamn talented that it's supposed to try to balance it out, but I don't think it's working. We'll see. Hopefully the Bludgeon Brothers get rid of these belts soon, because they are just... Ugh, it's, it's just a whole bunch of nothing. It's hard to hard to care about them. I kind of semi cared about them during the Danny Bryan thing, but then that disappeared real fast because we had to get to a more interesting Danny Bryan story. It is good to see the bar back though, because th- I don't know where they've been. I, maybe Sheamus was actually trying to fix his neck injury or something, but we haven't seen either of these guys in quite a while, so it's good to have them back. Hopefully they get used properly after this tournament because this is a whole bunch of nothing. But we need to talk about the main event segment of SmackDown because it was excellent. We had, well, first I must add to preface that uh, after SmackDown this week was the premiere of the reality show Ms. and Mrs. Did any of y'all watch it? Because I didn't. Because I had to go and do G1 stuff. Because I don't know if you know this. If you're not, you know, for our non-Patreon subscribers, this week's episode may be five hours long. Covering uh, this past week's four nights of action. It's really long. We have Me and Trace have a lot to talk about the G1. It's 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 excellent, but it's really long. So, you sh- you should dive in there and uh, get this podcast. We've already got like gonna have close to like ten hours of coverage by the end of this week. But the Miz and Miz is premiering, so the Miz and Maurice are here with uh, their child, their little infant baby, 
and they're going to go out and have a premiere party in the ring. Uh, we also had a weird segment before that where uh, Paige was supposed to have a babysitter for uh, for the baby, but it was Sin Cara, and no one trusts Sin Cara with anything because he botches everything. So the baby came out with them. So we had the segment. They they cut to a clip, a kind of a trailer for the show, and instead of the trailer, it's just a bunch of old clips of The Miz being the worst. Like, flubbing up stuff when he was the host of SmackDown. Zack Ryder pushing him off a ladder at WrestleMania. Uh, the Miz's mom saying that Roman Reigns is her favorite superstar. It, it was really, really funny and well done. And Danny Bryan was clearly the one behind it, and then he comes out to try to punch The Miz in the face as he keeps threatening to do. There's security with a, uh, a velvet rope in front of the, between the ramp and the ring and Brian kicks the shit out of them and passes through the uh, the velvet rope to get into the uh, the Miz TV set or premiere party set or whatever whatever this is. And when he gets in the ring with his fist ready to punch the Miz the Miz throws the baby at Brian. Don't worry, it was a baby doll. They Gene Snitsky'd this shit. And with Brian being surprised and grabbing the baby out of the air, it sets up for The Miz to hit him and uh, lay out Danny Bryan. And it was great. This was excellent. It was a great way to prom- to promote the show that was coming up next. Continuing the feud, The Miz being using the sturdiest tactics... Like, even using, like, a fake baby to try to play into Danny Bryan's, you know, compassion. Because he's an actual decent person, unlike The Miz. It was great. This was awesome. I I, I want more creative stuff with The Miz continuing to find ways to, to get out of getting attacked by Danny Bryan. And then we'll have an excellent match at, at uh, SummerSlam. It's, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. This SmackDown was great. You sh- you should all check it out, especially or just go on YouTube and watch the end segment. That was good, and uh, watch the match between Rusev and Amos. I'm actually gonna briefly mention something from 205 Live, which is not something we do normally on this show because, kind of like WWE. Everyone forgets about the cruiserweights, but the main event was a uh, fatal four-way for the number one contendership for the cruiserweight title between Mustafa Ali, TJP, Drew Gulak, and Hideo Itami. And my boy, Drew Gulak, actually got the win. So he is going to have a title shot for the cruiserweight title, which he is not going to win because we're not allowed to have nice things. And even if we are, it's the Cruiserweights. They don't appear on Raw anymore. They don't appear at pay-per-views anymore. They may as well just not exist. And now, we're going to talk about NXT. Which aired tonight. And tonight's episode... 
Hmm, I don't want to say it was good. I'm going to say it was well done, but also it was the worst episode. And, and we'll get to why by the end of this segment. So we we kick off with uh, Adam Rose... Uh, not, Adam, Jesus Christ. Adam Rose, I don't know where that came from. Adam Cole, baby. You know him? Undisputed Era? North American Champion? Hack Twitter account? That guy. Adam Cole took on Sean Maluda. You know that guy? Cruiserweight Classic guy? He's kind of okay. He's he's Samoan, so of course he's got into WWE somehow. You know. Morrow mentions on commentary that Cole has actually been giving people opportunities for his title... But uh, Percy Watson points out that uh, it's only because William Regal is forcing him to. And that's a good point. Because Ricochet has been going after uh, Adam Cole, calling him a coward. Because he won't, you know, actually defend his belt against real talent. And and by that he means means Ricochet. So in this match, it's surprisingly a a lot of offense from Maluda. Like, kind of getting Adam Cole against the ropes. Showing off his uh, his cruiserweight speed, as it were. Except he made one little mistake when he was jumping off the top rope. Adam Cole kicked him right in the face with a super kick. And then did his running knee to the back of the neck finisher. Which I don't remember the name of off the top of my head. And picked up the victory. Easy win for Adam Cole, despite, you know, kind of looking like he was in trouble there for a bit. Gets a microphone after the this, the match, says that he's defended his title around the world, you know, including that uh, that UK uh, special they had the other month. And uh, he says, like, who gave this young upstart an opportunity? You know, referring to Maluda. Adam Cole, baby. And he says, if anyone else wants an opportunity, and he gets cut off by Ricochet. Of course. Ricochet ends up challenging Adam Cole for his championship at Brooklyn. But uh, Adam Cole doesn't want to... says, yeah, you you hyped me up by saying, you know, I'm so, I'm so great. But because I'm so great, I don't want to diminish myself by facing someone like you. So, no thanks, I'm leaving. As he's leaving, uh, Ricochet calls him a coward, which leads the crowd to chant coward at him. As Adam Cole's backing up toward going up the ramp, all of a sudden, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong show up, and now that he's got backup, he's, he's kind of cocky again. Adam Cole's like, yeah, f- fuck you. You know, you think, call me a coward? Huh? You call me a coward? But then... The War Raiders show up behind them, and all that, uh, all that ego kind of disappeared real fast. And and if that wasn't bad enough, Mustache Mountain showed up and ran him off. So we've got a couple teams going after those tag belts, and we have someone in particular going after that North America title. Looks like we've got ourselves some matches for Brooklyn which is next month. 
I think I think those would be some really solid matches. I'm I'm not really sold on the the War Raiders quite yet because they've just done squash matches so far and haven't really had a chance to showcase what they're really all about in like longer style matches. But this could be a good opportunity for them. It seems like a good crowd for them to do it in front of. So yeah, let's go. Let's see how that goes. We have we had a contract signing for the uh the women's title with uh Regal sitting at desk backstage with Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane. And uh Reem Regal points out that this is gonna be a uh a rematch of the first Mayon Classic finals. And Shayna's like why why do people keep saying that? You know I've beaten her since then. I've beaten Kyrie since then. You know, I've been developing, I'm becoming a, you know, a, a more, a more competitive, more fiercer champion and and a wrestler. I've, you know, I'm on the top of my game right now. I, I can take anyone on, which to be fair, she's right. I hated Shayna Baszler at the Mayon Classic. I think she was possibly the worst female superstar of the year. But now she's on track to be one of, one of the favorites of the year. And she's been crushing it ever since you got that belt. We have uh, Kyrie saying, uh, mention that she can beat her. She knows it. And she went, I know it. You know it. I can beat you. And uh, Shayna then goes on to call her a phony. Like, yeah, it's, it's well, a bunch of fakers around here next to, you know. Dakota Kai pretending that she's confident. Candace defending, pretending that she's a badass. You pretending to be a pirate, looking for your treasure. Fuck that! I'm champion. What's up? And uh, that leads to uh, Kyrie again signing the contract and again saying that she can beat her because she knows it. And Shayna knows it. And it's, it's, this is going to be a good match. It's going to be better than the match to Mayhem Classic for sure. But it'll be interesting. I, I hope I hope it's good. I hope we don't go down that road again. Because Shayna's been on such a hot streak lately. Uh, we had a match between uh, Tanilla Price, who I... I don't think she's signed, but uh, she took on Lacey Evans, and it was it was just a squash match. Tanella did some like flips and stuff, but once Lacey hit the uh, the woman's right again, a great name for the move. Just took her out, easy win, whatever. But uh, later on, we got a backstage segment. Picking up from that contract signing of uh, Shayna Baszler walking around. And out of nowhere comes Candice LeRae storming over yelling about the fact that uh, that Shayna was talking shit behind her back. And uh, someone, I, I don't know if it was Sarah Romano or not, but someone was holding back Candice. And uh, telling her, you know, don't, don't do this now. Now's not the right time. And uh, Shayna's like actually like challenging her to slap her in the face again, like last time. 
but it doesn't happen. We end we end up with her with the whoever it is pulling Candace away and saying that now's not the right time. Candace finally agrees and says, It's not the right time now, but when it is, I will find that time and I will get you. Starting to think it might be Brooklyn. Starting to think she might jump her at Brooklyn. Let's we'll see. Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Wrestling kind of have some hot heads on them. Not, not a good quality. Then, we got to the main event of NXT this week. For the NXT Championship, Aleister Black defending against <sighs> Tommaso Ciampa. That fucking guy. The worst person in wrestling today. Just pure hatred. Nothing but evil. Just, well, not I mean, everything is evil over in New Japan. But this guy, he's pretty. He's pretty evil. So, the match kicks off with uh, Ciampa going for quick pins early. Gets kind of close. Gets a little scary there. And the crowd is split. With some rooting for uh, Alistair Black. Some rooting for Tommaso Ciampa. And I'm not a fan of this. Everyone should hate Ciampa. What are you doing? Stop being smarky. He's a bad person. Don't cheer for the bad person. Alistair ends up going for the quick pins as well. Doesn't get those either. It, as we go on, it's back and forth action. These guys are pretty equal. But uh, then what happens is uh, when uh, Chomp, uh, you know, no, uh, when uh, Alistair Black tosses Chomp to the outside, he gets in his Indian pose in the ring, you know, sitting down Indian, his legs crossed, and does the wave, the Chomp wave at him. Give him a little taunt. Which is later reciprocated when uh, Black gets thrown into the steps at, at uh, ringside and uh, Tommaso Ciampa is sitting, his legs crossed on top of the steps mocking Alistair Black and, and still doing his wave because that's that's what he does. It was, good, it was a good back and forth. Uh, the match starts ramping up with Alistair saying, hey, this 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 normal wrestling is good, but I'm also like this really hard striker, so I'm just gonna hit you until you don't want to wrestle me anymore. And it's a flurry of kicks and and punt and uh, chops, and it's it's excellent. We have a uh, a great spot where uh, Champa is down in the corner trying to pick himself back up, and as soon as he does, Alistair yells, "Tweet about this!" and then nails him with a brutal kick. It was great. Because Champa, if you don't follow him on Twitter, is is a huge asshole. Don't don't cheer this man. Things start escalating. It's ramping up. People are hitting big moves and trying to get pins, and nothing is working. We have Black hitting a, a meteora and then turning that into a bridging German suplex, and it's still not enough. Ciampa throws Black into a cameraman and takes him out. Where the referee is then checking on the cameraman. And while that's happening from behind, Ciampa 
pulls out his crutch from under the ring and nails Alistair Black in the head. Should be an easy pin. One, two. Nope, that doesn't work either. Nothing is working. These guys still are at it no matter what they do. The other one kicks out at two. It's bananas. So what happens is uh, Champa says, you know what, I'm going to do the thing I did with Johnny Wrestling. I'm going to remove the uh, the padding on the outside and expose the floor. Referee goes to the outside and says, no, you can't do that. Like, get back in the ring. This is a terrible idea. So uh, uh, Champa gets back in the ring, and as he does, he gets uh, hit by uh, Alistair Black. Which knocks him into the ropes where the referee is, and whoops, the referee spills to the exposed floor, and he is donezo. That's bad. While the referee is down, Chopper goes and grabs the NXT Championship belt and gets ready to hit uh, Alistair Black with it. When out of nowhere, Johnny Wrestling shows up and and stops him. He grabs the belt. It's a tug of war between the two, and uh, as they're Pulling back and forth, Champa lets go. Uh, while Johnny is pulling as hard as he can, so he flies backwards and accidentally clocks Alistair Black in the head with the belt. Whoopsies. Champa takes advantage of this as the referee is coming back to his senses and gets the pin. One, two, three. Our worst nightmares come true. Tommaso Ciampa is the new NXT champion. Oh, boy. That's not good. I. What does this mean for the future of NXT? Does this mean we're going to get Gargano and Ciampa again for the title this time? Is Aleister Black going to get a rematch? We're living in dark times now, folk. This is not good. This is not good at all. That's that's NXT and oh boy. I am I gonna be able to enjoy NXT anymore now that Tommaso Ciampa, the worst man on the planet, is the face of the brand. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I think that's uh, I think that's gonna do it. Unless there's anything else on uh, on heel turn to cover. I think I think whatever technical issues I was having earlier aren't flaring up. That's good. So I uh, let me just double check here. I guess that's it for Heel Turn. It's a production of Pro Wrestling Not Cool. It's not just cool. It's not cool. You can tune in live every Wednesday around between 9 and 9.30 p.m. It's raining a bit earlier now since we're also recording the G1 stuff. So that's over at twitch.tv slash ozone online and on mixer at mixer.com slash 
the Ozone, giving you plenty of options. As I mentioned, our Patreon, patreon.com slash pwc. Whatever you want to contribute to the website and to the podcast will unlock our coverage of the G1 Climax 28 from New Japan, where we have so many hours of coverage. New episode will be up Thursday this week, where we're going to talk about the latest four shows from the G1. It's some really good wrestling. All right, my buddy Trace is breaking down all the matches while I'm doing my best to contribute as well. And we're laying out stuff. We're telling you what matches to you should definitely seek out because it's a lot of wrestling. You should not watch all of the G1 because some of it's real bad. But that's but that's what we're doing for you. We're taking the, we're taking the plunge. We're watching all of it just for you folks at home. Uh, so you can follow the website at prowrestling.cool. That's a URL. It actually works. We've not been really doing write-ups for Raw and SmackDown because of the whole G1 stuff has taken up my time and because my partner kind of had an incident happen to him. It's uh, it's just been me running the, sh- the ship and the whole lot of stuff. So don't worry, we got the G1 stuff though. Uh, but we and we also have st- statistics up, where we talk about, you know, the win- as if wins and losses matter. I know it's a crazy concept in wrestling. Who who would do that? You can follow us on social media, Facebook, search for prowrestling.cool, or go to facebook.com/pwdotc. You can go on to Twitter. Following the heel turn or PWDOTC. And of course, you can follow me, myself personally. I'm on Twitter at the underscore ozone. And that's it. That's that's what that's that's it for heel turn. We're gonna be back next week with another exciting Hopefully, it, well, it's gonna be dark because Tommaso Ciampa is gonna be around. But we're gonna we're gonna do our best to see the positive and get through this together in the world of the WWE. So that's it. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week, and until then, y'all come back now. You hear? This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.